Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, I love you. And on the Lord's Day morning, it is so wonderful to be gathered here with 750 young people who also love the Lord. I just heard every one of you say it. Well, my name is Brother Candiller. I am a professor at the University of Texas here in Austin. I've been a professor for 47 years at UT. And I also am the faculty advisor for the student group Christian Students on Campus. And I've been the faculty advisor for more than 45 years. And so uh, I'd like to share with you some of my experiences and observations uh, that have occurred over all of those years. Uh, my burden is to help equip you to do your best as students, but even more importantly, to go on and grow in the Lord. <clears throat> uh, over my years, I have taught thousands upon thousands of students, and I have made a lot of observations about student life. Of course, I was a student myself. Um, let's see, after I graduated from high school, I went to college for 12 years, and then I did a postdoc for one year, and so 47 plus 13 makes 60 years I've been on campus, and uh, being a professor is not that much different from being a student. Kind of the tables are reversed a little bit, but I, I still have to function very much like a student. Uh, and I'm going to be a little bit like a professor, though. I have a PowerPoint. <laughs> and you can see the topic is how to thrive in college as a Christian. Well, I've got 60 years in college. And uh, I can't say at all that I am perfect, but I have some very strong things to say about how to thrive while at the same time not only practicing but growing in our Christian faith. A, a, a university environment is a wonderful place to be a Christian. <clears throat> but I have observed that students tend to be really busy. Anybody identify with that? <clears throat> Are you under a lot of pressure? Oh, you've got all those classes. Not only that, when you're in a class, you've got to do homework. <clears throat> and then these things come along called exams. Those are real stressor points quite often. I get all kinds of uh, messages, excuses, so forth, coming to me over email, knocks on my office door, so forth, uh, about stresses that students are under. And uh, when you're under a lot of stress, uh, sometimes that compromises your living. That tends to get you out of calibration with 
what is really important. And my observation, my experience is you absolutely need to stay grounded in what is important in order to thrive in college. And this applies for students, but it also applies for professors. You all probably never think of this, but as students, you got things pretty easy compared to a professor. This is my viewpoint. <laughs> so students, you go to class, you're enrolled for a semester, and you go to class daily, you do your homework, meet with the saints to stay in the supply, uh, take exams, and eventually, uh, something called final exams come along. Uh, the state of Texas legally mandates I have to give my students uh, final exams or some other alternative. But when final exams finish, you're free. And you get to uh, go home or you go on vacation with your friends. Uh, what happens to the professors? Well, we stay behind, and that's when our really tough work time starts. That's uh, when we get to focus on writing papers and writing books and doing research and, and those side of things. So my experience is the pressure never leaves off uh, externally being on campus. And those students, you know, they're free, and they just go off and have a good time for six weeks or however, and then come back another semester. So the question is then how do you stay calibrated so that you can thrive particularly as a Christian? And my message that I want to deliver to you has two components. One relates to your spiritual uh, uh, life, your spiritual functioning, and one relates to how you practice being a student. And I want to share a lot of practical points that I have picked up personally. I learned things as a student that I still practice in a regular way, and I nearly drowned before I learned those things. And I'll share some about that later on. Okay. So if I can get my slide clicker going, we'll march on. And I need to get to a place where I can read my own slides. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, so my objective with you all is that you would be able to excel in both your faith and your academic pursuits. Those two really should go together. They're not mutually exclusive. They're not opposed to each other. Uh, they work together uh, to the benefit of both. And, and let me say, um, my PowerPoint is not in your book, but I've given it to the brothers, and they've said it will be available electronically. I have no idea how that's happening. <laughs> but uh, don't feel like you have to capture absolutely everything. 
uh, that we... Okay, it's college-conference.org. Okay. <clears throat> so it's on there. You can follow along in your electronic device. Uh, students do that all the time. <laughs> I have my ways of checking on my students when they're sitting in class with their computer open, if they're on board with me or if they are not on board with me, even if there's a hundred and some students in class and uh, they don't get away with it if they're not, okay? <laughs> so what kind of outcomes do we want to have? Uh, first, uh, while you're a student, that should be a prime time in your life for personal growth as a Christian. I received the Lord when I was a college student. I was actually a doctoral student at the time, and I just experienced huge Christian growth while I was going through an extraordinarily stressful doctoral degree program. Uh, and so you should also experience not only personal growth, but corporate growth. You should be built up with others. And I am so glad we have our campus clubs at universities. And that's a major reason I have committed a lot of my years, my time, my energy, my resources uh, to be with the, we, at UT, we call it CSOC, Christian Students on Campus. And I, I realize you have different names, uh, different campuses, but being built up is important uh, to have the experience of going on corporately with other seeking Christians. Now, I did something I shouldn't have done. Oh, okay. There we go. So you want uh, to experience academic achievement to the best of your human capabilities. Everybody in here is unique. You all have your own special skills. Uh, if you did not, you would not be in college. Okay? Universities are very selective about who they let in. And so you have something going for you academically, and you'd like to develop that to uh, be uh, able to, once you graduate, be effective in, in your life. Uh, and you'd like to be able to have an enjoyable and satisfying experience as a student. So I, I've seen all of these happen. My observation as a faculty advisor for CSOC at UT uh, for 45 years or so, I've seen thousands of students go through the CSOC experience. And uh, my observation, I've told the highest leaders at UT, is that the students in CSOC perform much better academically 
than the average student at the University of Texas. That's just because you have your inward being properly aligned. You learn how to be responsible in practical things as well as responsible to the Lord. And so these are experiences that will benefit you throughout life. Okay. <clears throat> so the key to success is to develop and follow effective, what I like to call, and a lot of the brothers do, life practices. And the word life here refers to, in the New Testament, the Greek word zoe. So we should practice our human living in our biological bios life with our psychological suke personality that should be driven by our zoe, divine life within our spirit. So these are life practices, and I'd like to just very quickly go through, not a comprehensive list, but what to me are some of the key life practices. <clears throat> now, my granddaughter Amber is sitting here. Could you go back and get me a glass of water, please? <clears throat> a graduating high school senior headed to college in the fall. <laughs> So Amber doesn't like it when I embarrass her. And Brother Nat snuck in behind you and gave me a water bottle. <laughs> okay, the life practices. I think a lot of these should be very familiar with to you. Uh, with each life practice, I've got a verse there, a verse reference. We don't have time to go through them because I need to save time to give you practical student tips. But cultivate your personal, intimate, affectionate, spiritual relationship with the Lord daily. Okay? No matter how busy you get, no matter how much pressure comes on, you need to be sure that you put first things first. Okay? First things first. I've practiced this for decades. Do I have super big pressures on me? Do I have uh, nearly unimaginable deadlines I have to meet sometimes? Absolutely. Do I really try to practice to keep first things first? Absolutely. Does it pay off? Yes, it does. Am I still able to execute my practical responsibilities if I keep first things first with the Lord? For sure. Can I do it better if I have my first things first? Absolutely so. Okay? Don't be fooled by uh, <coughs> some false warning from God's enemy who doesn't want you to have first things first, that uh, you got to do something else 
and instead of taking care of uh, things with the Lord. Doesn't work that way. Okay, read your Bible regularly on a schedule. Develop a taste for it. I was very glad in the conference book to see there's a Bible reading schedule. Uh, <clears throat> it's not the only Bible reading schedule. Actually, it's different from the schedule that I use. Uh, I've got multiple Bible reading schedules that I have used over years and years and years and years. And actually, every year, I read my Bible and generally... I follow a schedule where I can read the footnotes every year, cover to cover. And I take it in in a very thoughtful way. I don't know if you can see, I got all kinds of uh, finely written notes in my Bible, speakings I get from the Lord when I'm in the Word. So this is the first thing. Uh, <clears throat> digest and absorb the ministry. Is, uh, that happens individually, that happens uh, in our interactions with others. Uh, the footnotes in our recovery version are a condensation of the ministry. That's a very good way to take in the ministry. <clears throat> okay, uh, go to meetings, large and small. I'm really glad you all prioritized to be in this large meeting. Guess what? So do I. <laughs> do I have things pressing on me as a professor? Yes, I could give you quite a list. Where am I? I am right here with you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So uh, you have to take care of your responsibilities as a student, but don't let that exclude being in the meetings. We have lots of small meetings in our campus clubs. Those are really important. So take care of them. Okay, treasure companions to run the race with in the high occupancy vehicle lane. <laughs> If your life seems to be all caught up in a, a traffic jam, I spent a lot of time at the, going to the Texas Medical Center in Houston. Oh my, I know the congestion on 610. <laughs> you can just sit forever. <clears throat> but there are high occupancy vehicle lanes, so get with the saints and make progress and treasure the companionships that the Lord puts you together with. Uh, some of the most wonderful companionships I've had in the Lord have not been with people whom I necessarily humanly would have chosen, but they have just been something absolutely to treasure over the years. Okay. <clears throat> Share your experiences of Christ. Uh, on campus, you get a lot of experience, a lot of opportunities for that. It's something that you can learn to do better and better. You can practice it. We have this uh, most excellent experience at uh, UT Austin 
called the internship. How many of you have been in the internship? Yeah, and so a lot of students tell me that's been some of my very best experience. Students who would not normally speak to people, you get practice to share your experiences of Christ. And actually, once you get over a potential energy threshold barrier, <clears throat> it's pretty easy. I mix in a little engineering speak every once in a while. Pray for God's economy. Uh, it's good to pray. We have all things, all, all kinds of things to pray about. And a lot of people tend to pray about your personal things or the uh, issues close to uh, people who you're close with. It's very good to do. But there is a big picture in this universe that's existed since the day of creation. God has a purpose. And God has a plan for executing that purpose. And he needs human beings who love him to cooperate with him. And one of the main ways we cooperate with him is to pray that his purpose could be fulfilled. And the Bible calls the, the pathway, the plan by which his purpose is fulfilled is his economy. So pray regularly for the Lord, for the Lord's interest as well as your own interest. <clears throat> Call on the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I can't necessarily remember the first words out of my mouth when the mic came on, but uh, I probably called on the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. There are lots and lots of ways to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. What a huge supply. What a uh, remarkable revelation from the Bible that we can call on the name of the Lord and contact him in reality. I had never heard about this until I met the, the Seasock people at UT. <clears throat> I remember precisely the time and the location, the first time I called on the name of the Lord Jesus to contact him. I was walking up the steps into the building where my office is, and uh, the brothers and sisters had told me about this practice of calling, Oh, Lord Jesus. So I thought, well, I'm going to try this. <laughs> and guess what? It was wonderful. <laughs> okay. Fan our gift of God into flame. <clears throat> That's best done corporately. You know, get with the saints. I detected there was a lot of fanning this morning when the brothers were up front with the guitars. Okay. Is I got another whole slide full of life practices. <clears throat> I could spend the whole time talking about life practices. Okay, confess to the Lord when you have failures. Guess what? We are human beings. Uh, we are not yet fully manifested what we're going to be, and so we have failures. That's not a problem at all. The only problem is... When you realize you had a failure, if you don't confess, if you don't take care of the Lord's provision for your failures. So just don't hesitate to do it. You don't necessarily need to <clears throat> get a megaphone, make an announcement. You know, I had a failure and I'm, 
I'm dealing with this uh, with the Lord. Now, this can be something very private. You know, whatever works with the Lord. Uh, obey your conscience. <clears throat> that is absolutely critical, particularly on a university campus. There are so many things on a university campus that are designed by God's enemy to go against a properly trained conscience. So, mind your conscience in what you say. Is there loose language on a university campus? Oh my, yes there is. Don't allow that stuff to capture you. Don't fall into that mode. And even if you hear it, take care of it. Don't allow other people's loose language to take up residence within you. <clears throat> Obey your conscience in what you think. That's a primary playground that Satan has established. Oh, I got a double advance. For me, a huge conscience issue is how do I spend my time? I find myself now after many, many, many years of practice, I am continually checking my conscience while I'm doing anything is this what I should be doing or something different? Sometimes I have to change. <clears throat> Am I done spending my time on this? Yeah, maybe uh, I'm, I'm uh, engaged in activity and the Lord says, okay, that's enough. It's time to move on to the next responsibility, okay? So for me personally, how I use my time is a huge conscience matter. And uh, obey your conscience. What goes into your mouth? <clears throat> uh, this is important physically. Uh, <clears throat> flee contaminating persons, activities, and places. I probably don't need to say too much about this, but universities are full of traps designed by God's enemy, okay? If you see a trap, <clears throat> flee it. I live on a uh, small ranch outside of uh, Austin. Got about a 30-mile commute. Guess what's on my ranch? Anthills, fire anthills. When I see one, do I go stand in it? No. <laughs> Generally, I flee it. If I'm on my tractor, I may run over it for fun. <laughs> but in general, if you see one of Satan's specially designed traps, which is very subtle, that may be just a little mound of something, if you identify it and you recognize it for what it is, don't mess with it. Flee it. You got better things to do. Pursue the practices of life. Okay? So you have to make a decision in your being, with your soul. What am I going to give myself to? The sorts of life practices we see here or not? Those are <clears throat> important. 
Keep your heart against pride. This is very, very dangerous entrapment in a university environment, particularly if you are talented. Okay? Uh, the university experience is designed to be continually measuring how well you're doing. <clears throat> and uh, if, if you have good talent and you apply that talent in a, di a diligent way, uh, the system is designed to give you uh, rewards for it and public acknowledgement. This does not stop when you're a student. The entire human experience is set up that way. Surely, uh, uh, life as a professor is just the same way as students. I don't have a grade point average, but I have a resume or curriculum vita, and I have to use that professionally all the time. And It's got a list of my papers and my patents and my books and my research grants and my honors and awards nationally and locally and internationally and on and on and on. <clears throat> Guard your heart against pride. If you are a human being who is able to and does achieve high accomplishments to your capability, don't let that become the definition of who you are. It is wonderful to be defined as a simple brother in the Lord. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Some of these are obvious, let's see, and I am talking entirely too long about the life practices. So you're going to have access to uh, my slide deck, <clears throat> and so you can see uh, the practical study skills, and all the rest of the slides are about that. And I can go through, the, these are pretty objective. So let me go through here and just touch on some of the key ones. And this uh, list of practical productivity habits and study skills comes out uh, from two sources. One is my own personal school of hard knocks. And the second is uh, what brilliant cognitive science have figured out about how the human brain works and how you best are able to learn. Okay? Uh, as a very brief introduction, when I was starting school, I had come from a very weak high school academically. Uh, and I got a real good score in my SAT, so I got into a very difficult college to start with, and I just uh, nearly immediately started to drown. <clears throat> and, and I did not die, but I was on life resuscitation uh, throughout my freshman and sophomore years. I think at the end of my sophomore year, I undoubtedly had the lowest GPA of any student in the entire sophomore class, okay? So the advisor called me in and said, look, <clears throat> we need to face the facts of life. Your grades are so bad that it's impossible that you're ever going to graduate. I suggest you 
choose an alternate route. How's that for a message? <laughs> Sovereignly, my freshman year, I had become friends, good personal friends, with one of the best students in the whole class. And we decided to room together our sophomore year in a dorm. And uh, that was in an era before universities provided uh, uh, centers for helping you learn how to study. And so my roommate taught me how to be a student. I had the poorest grades. Did that mean I was the stupidest student there? <clears throat> no, I was the less practi least practiced student there. Uh, subsequent years have shown I probably had one of the best capabilities amongst all those students. But I was clueless as to how to be an effective student. So he taught me how to be a good student. And things that he taught me, I still practice. I mean, they're just really good. Now, I'll get into some of this stuff. So I got out of that school. I transferred to Ohio State. I changed my major to engineering. I got in probation. They were going to kick me right out if I didn't make the dean's list my first semester at Ohio State. And so I started practicing what my roommate had taught me. And guess what happened to my grade point average? It went up by a factor of 2x. Now, your grade point average cannot go higher than 4. And if it goes up by 2x, that means you started out at less than 2. <laughs> OK, so uh, I maintained that grade point average by practicing good learning habits. While I was at Ohio State, I graduated with honors. I got into the doctoral program at MIT. I got my degree there. I did a, a NI National Institutes of Health postdoc with Harvard Medical School. And 47 years ago, UT recruited me to Austin. I met the, the, the Christian students on campus. And here I am right now, OK? Because the Lord put me with a roommate who absolutely had compassion and taught me how to be a good student. That guy went on to become a medical doctor and the head of one of the major programs at the National Institutes of Health. Okay? So, some things. Uh, I, I'm just going to go ripping through this because I need to, to wrap up. Uh, and so I, for sure, am not going to talk about everything. Uh, so, prioritizing how you spend your time and learning how to spend your time effectively as a student are keys, okay? And so the goal here is to develop a method for organizing and prioritizing responsibilities to be able to maintain a balance. I love that word, balance, okay? Between academic and personal activities, and personal activities absolutely include pursuing our relationship with the Lord, while deriving high benefit both academically and in your personal growth. That should be the outcome from your time as a college student. <clears throat> okay, so... Uh, if you're going to have priorities, you need to know what's important in your life. 
And uh, that is worth investing in. So uh, there's very good ways to establish priorities. And priorities enable us to make decisions about what we do with our time, how we program what goes on. And my clicker is... Okay, so there was a model that I came across about 30 years ago. Uh, by then, I had become chairman of the, uh, one of the engineering departments here, and we had an industrial advisory board. Very high-placed executives from industry who hired our engineering graduates. And so I was interacting with these uh, super successful people, and they uh, scheduled a special meeting before our advisory board uh, the first semester I was department chair. And they gave me a message. They say, we want you to understand that the people we hire, we really uh, hope not only will they be smart and well-trained as engineers, but they will be personally well-equipped to function with other people, both internally to our company and with our customers. And we want you to be aware of and hopefully use the sorts of training materials that everybody from our CEO, yeah, billionaire, international top person, on down, goes through. And at, at that point, that was uh, out of uh, a book. It's not the Bible, but it's full of biblical principles. It's called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And so I became a licensed facilitator for that course, and I've taught that to faculty. I've taught it to students. There's some students around here who have been in my class whom I have taught this kind of stuff to. Right here is one. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's just very good human things. I'm, I'm not even going to go through that uh, right now. But there is a decision matrix that I have found to be really, really helpful. And that is all of the things that we encounter in our human living, we can categorize in a matrix that has two different axes. One is time requirements. In other words, how urgent is it? Most things that we do have some kind of a timeline. Your phone rings, and there's a very short fuse on that. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> do you make it? When my phone rings, I always make a decision. Am I going to invest my time in answering this or not? When I get an email, and on and on. When I get a social media request. By the way, I have zero social media accounts. Students ask me, Professor, where's your Facebook page or your Twitter ditter or whatever? <laughs> I never touch that because I don't have time in my personal prioritization. Not to say it's bad, not to say you shouldn't do it, but... For myself, I just don't have time. I don't 
have a way within my conscience to allow my time to be sucked up with those things because I have things that along the other axis is important. How important are things? Okay, And the secret to success is to, as much as possible, invest your time in activities that have immediate and long-term importance and do them, pay attention to them, before they become urgent. Okay? So work ahead. Plan ahead. Invest your time in things that have big payoff and do them in a way in which you're not stressed out because uh, the things are going to happen very quickly. So I've got a bunch of slides about this, but I think what I shared should be self-evident a lot. So if I can click through here. So if you spend a lot of your time on important things before they become urgent, guess what? You are a highly creative individual, and you are in control of your life. Your environment is not imposed on you. How wonderful it is to live that way. Uh, learning how to say no is important. I, I have re Once I saw this model, I realized Stuff comes at me all the time. A lot of it's really good. Some of it is crummy. But within my conscience, if I am clear that it does not align with what I should be doing down here and the not urgent, important things, I've learned to say no. Sometimes you say no in inwardly. Sometimes you have to say no outwardly. I've said no to some highly, highly high-profile things that people wanted me to do, and I say no with a clear conscience, and I, because I have a clear conscience, I can say no in a way, if it's appropriate, that is not offensive to other people. But practicing saying no, particularly inwardly, but also outwardly. <clears throat> inwardly is how we can set our time priorities. Now, I'm not going through here as quickly as I want. Um, let me back up here. Okay. So, uh, to operate in the upper right, doing important things before they become urgent, <clears throat> affects our entire being. And I think we're all familiar with our bios, our suke, and our zoe dimensions. And so it's good to take care of your body. And uh, it's well known medically the three pillars of good health are Healthy sleep, healthy diet, and 
healthy exercise, okay? And uh, when I was a young person in college, I learned to invest in all three of those. And I am, uh, as I look out over the audience, probably, perhaps a majority of you all, I am four times your age. <laughs> but by taking care of uh, things in the physical realm, I'm able to stand up right here and uh, I can engage in a lot of activities with people your age and hold my own. <laughs> Enough said. Uh, but you need to say no to a lot of bad practices. And in the physical realm, the university's environment is loaded with physical things you should say no to if you want to prolong your life and be useful. Uh, soulishly, uh, you are in college to develop your soul, but guess what? The university is full of things that will corrupt your soul. Uh, if you're a male, a big trap can be video games. Uh, the, these all fall in the realm of addictions, both in the physical realm and in the psychological realm. Uh, so don't allow yourself to become addicted physically or psychologically. <clears throat> and if you are, get help and get out of it. My wife's a counselor, and she's helped all kinds of people who unwisely got some addiction, and you can get out of that. Spiritually, uh, take care of the life practices. Uh, okay. I'm going to just jump past things. Avoid procrastination. Anybody like to procrastinate? That is the default human <laughs> mode of operation. Do you have to succumb to the fallen human nature, which by default procrastinates? No, you do not. At my age, in my level of experience, am I tempted to procrastinate? Yes, I am. What can I do? I can exercise my spirit. I don't have to stand with that. Okay. Uh, let me ratchet through here. You want to have a good planner. It's useful to have a planner. Uh, I've got my planner in my briefcase right there. If anybody wants to see it, I'll show it to you. For me, it has to be simple and workable. It has to match who you are. I used to use a very complicated planner, and it was more work to keep up with the planner than the benefit I derived. Okay, practical planning for students. Practical hints. Uh, consider being a student like your work week. People work 40 or 50 hours a week. You should invest 40 or 50 hours a week. True, productive work. You should not be a slave to being a student for more hours beyond that so that it would corrupt your schedule. Uh, 
I've got some hints in here I used from my, uh, I learned from my roommate. Uh, so, realize not all hours of the day are created equal. Our body has a biological clock. Three years ago, the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine was for the discovery of the circadian clock that exists in every cell in our body. They're all coordinated, and our body functions differently, physically, psychologically, at different times of the day. So sometimes of the day are better served for being uh, in learning mode. Sometimes of the day are better served by doing your grocery shopping and laundry. Don't do the low priority activities during times when your body is prepared to best do to do its best learning. Okay? <clears throat> Likewise, generally, well, <clears throat> I do a lot of uh, experiments on students in my lab. <laughs> in fact, uh, uh, I've recently published a number of papers in which quite a few CSOC members were volunteers. These were sleep experiments, okay? And I have a, a big interest in helping people sleep well. Well, good sleep is a key component to effective learning. When you study, 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 what you take in on one day, 24 hours, or circadian clock, okay, goes into a temporary storage buffer in your brain. And your body needs to process what is in your temporary storage buffer while you sleep, and you go through different stages while you're asleep that take time. They occur over time. And uh, if you go through those proper sleep stage sequence, what you took in, new learning that you're going to need on the exam, goes from your temporary to your permanent buffer, so you can recall it. Okay? If you practice what a lot of student, quote, quote, supposed heroes call themselves, oh, I can get by in four hours of sleep, Forget that. <laughs> Actually, you should be glad if you hear your classmates say that because they are programming themselves to be at the bottom of the curve while you can be at the top. Okay, so you can stay up late studying, thinking that you're learning things for some coming test, grab a few hours of sleep, go to class, Guess what? What you stayed up late trying to learn has no benefit for you. You are far better off if you get your studying done <clears throat> during the normal human functioning hours, which tend to be primarily while the sun is shining. <laughs> okay, that's the way we're constructed. And then get a good sleep so you can consolidate what you learned. And it will be there when you need it on the test. Again, I'm going to quit talking about that. I'm going to hit one more point and then wrap it up. Um, it takes a while to ratchet through. Don't skip class. 
be an active learner. Think about what the professor is saying. Sort through what is quite possibly a whole lot of information and pick out what is the big idea here that I need to have as a takeaway. Seeing what the big picture is, is a key to functioning well. And my long-range advancer, okay, so here we are. Prioritizing how you spend your time as a student. The first thing you need to do on your own studies time is to understand what is the big picture? What is the big idea about what I'm supposed to learn? How do all the details fit into a contents, context in which they make sense? And by the way, you should be able to explain it to somebody else. Your classmates, your grandma, she asks, yeah, what have you been learning? You should be able to explain in a clear, comprehensible way. And so that takes time to invest, to understand, and then make a solid effort to do the homework that you've been assigned and prepare. Third priority, you may only partially complete some homework in labs when the time required is excessive. And the contribution to your GPA is small. Guess what? College curricular is set up so that you uh, oftentimes have these courses called laboratories, and they take a lot of time in the lab, and then you get these ridiculously long assignments to write up reports from what you did in the lab. And guess what? That lab is worth one credit hour. <laughs> and it takes twice as much time of your time as a student as a four-hour core course you're taking. How much time should you invest? You should invest four times the time in your core course that is worth four times more <coughs> on your GPA than in a one-hour course. Much better to get an A in the four-hour course and a C in the one than the reverse. Okay? So you may be clear before the Lord, and I'm a professor telling you this, don't think you've got to do all your homework. Learn how to responsibly, responsibly prioritize how you spend your time with a clear conscience, taking care of the balance between your academic and your spiritual existence. Well, I could drone on forever. But I'm past my time, and so I need to wrap it up. May the Lord be with all of you, and I look forward to seeing you more. <laughs>